The cashless welfare card joke. Centrelink claims it's impossible to use it for alcohol, cigarettes or withdrawing cash. But that's a lie. Dole recipients know it. Uh, yeah. The government knows it. Thanks, mate. So taxpayer money continues to be wasted on smokes, grog and gambling. <laughs> Nine News tonight. Welcome to Bunda Vista, episode 112. I'm Andrew, and I'm here with my friends waiting in line at Centrelink. And it's going to be a while. Smokes grog. <laughs> Smokes. Grog. Pokies. The fun stuff. <laughs> Can't have it. Hi, Lucy. Hi. <laughs> oh, that was, that was an unpleasant opener. <laughs> <laughs> this is the media in our beautiful country. Um, I'm also joined by Theo. Hello, Theo. Hello. Um, how are you today? I'm I'm nice. I've got my I got my number. It's up on the board, but every time the number on the board changes, it just jumps to a different random number. So I don't oh know no. um, where I am in the line. I feel like I'm perhaps in purgatory. I don't remember dying, but it could have happened. <laughs> Memory's not what it used to be. And I'm um, all the way back from the United States. I believe that's how it's pronounced. And here to claim his welfare benefits is Ben. Hey, I did it. You did it. I did it. I really did it. A lot of people said I couldn't, and I did. I've been saying you couldn't do it the whole time. You were actually one of the loudest voices uh, in that group of people, Uh, but here I am. Hmm. Take that. Take that, doubters and haters. Yeah. Hey, uh, haters, you're on notice. And by the way... Jealousy is a disease. Get well uh, soon, my get, good bitch. Get well soon. Well, that's that's nice at least. <laughs> it's nice. It's nice at least to to wish them well. I hope you have a swift recovery and you're surrounded by friends and family uh, during this this hard yes. time. The best revenge is a life lived well as your enemies die of the crippling disease, jealousy. Yep, mm-hmm. I've heard that. Very IBS heavy disease. <laughs> Oh dear, um, and of course, what's the what's the worst disease of all? It's to be a doll bludger. Dramatic music. Ba, ba, ba. I really thought you were going to drop a stick there. Uh, yeah. hmm. Don't have anything at the moment. Dun, dun, dun. I feel we like they used the bicycle. they used the like dodgy tradies music on that one. It was like the same dodgy trading. <laughs> They've got a limited library of scary noises. Well, when you think about it, doll bludgers are like government-funded dodgy tradies. Mm. Wow. Yeah. That is so true. <laughs> it's bad, bad use of our taxpayer funds for someone that we now have to chase down the street with cameras. I would like uh, to just challenge a claim that they made in that clip where they said that the, one. Uh, the what, only one, that the taxpayer money was being uh, wasted on grog and smokes. Uh, I'm going to misattribute a quote to the the late John Lennon. The time you enjoy wasting, not wasted time. You know, it's not really wasted money if you really wanted those cigarettes. That sounds spent well to me. That's true. Uh, So, of course, for the benefit of any international listeners, you may be asking yourself, 
what the fuck are you saying? You keep saying <laughs> dole bludger, which, if, if you are not from here, probably sounds a lot like a nonsense phrase. It probably sounds absolutely ridiculous. It probably sounds, sounds like, like something a, a Dutch person would call a part of a bicycle. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Oh, no. If- My dole bludger is broken. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Need an, a new dole bludger for my Kindenbocken. Uh, I fam- must go down the canal to get a new dole bludger. They famously all speak English, but there's just that one word that... There's, there's no phrase for You can't it. translate that. Uh, you know how you say, uh, dole... Do, no. Why is he Italian? Why is he Italian now? It's the one ah, accent dole I know. Right. None of oh. us can do a Dutch accent. I think that's clear from the outset. Oh, mamma mia, my oh, dole bludger. <laughs> Illegal oh. weed and my <laughs> <laughs> canals. Oh dear. So um So look, the the doll bludger the doll bludger myth is of course very similar to the welfare queen archetype from the United States. It's um, very gendered which, over here, isn't it? Uh yeah, I think the, the welfare queen term is, is very gendered and it's funny because before that it was all very male centric. Mm. Uh, until in the, the mid-70s, people started r- using the term uh, welfare queen because it was coined, apparently, either by George Bliss of the Chicago Tribune um, or by Jet Magazine in articles about a lady called Linda Taylor. Uh, Taylor was ultimately charged with committing $8,000 in fraud and having four aliases, which is pretty cool. She was convicted in 1977 of illegally obtaining 23 welfare checks using two aliases and was sentenced to two to six years in prison. During the same decade, she was investigated for alleged kidnapping and baby trafficking and is suspected of multiple murders. Not as cool. Not as cool. Um, But Ronald Reagan then started using the term um, throughout his 1976 presidential campaign. Um, and it was it was basically meant to be an illustration of uh, let's see female welfare recipients engaged in behaviour counterproductive to eventual financial independence, such as having children out of wedlock. Ew, gross. Uh, using welfare money to buy drugs, wink, or showing little desire to work. Oh my god, all the worst qualities. Mm. Uh, having sex and fun and not being that <laughs> into going to your job. Desire to work. That is a fucking made-up concept. As corporate psychopaths have that and nobody else. Mm, it's not real. It's, it's that extremely Instagram getting getting on my hustle. Um, you never see me at the club. <laughs> I never see you at the bank. <laughs> <laughs> at the bank where I do all my business. I'm down there yelling buy and sell into a phone right next yep. to the cashier. Yep. Uh, what I like to do is go down and I withdraw $20,000 in cash and then I walk over to another window and I deposit it back into my account. And that's business, baby. That's that's, that's big money, ball of business. <laughs> oh, God damn. So, um, at the start of this month, a very bad morning TV show named Sunrise. Uh, it's it's what you watch when you are a psychopath. I used to work with, uh, not work with, uh, well, yeah, I worked with him, but I also used to live with a guy for a while who would wake up at like 6 a.m. every day, put sunrise on, and start punching cones in his dressing gown. Oh, oh my hmm. God, that is psychopathic behavior. That and? Is inhumane. 
and drinking schooners of like white cask wine. I think um, this is like one of the few ways that uh, weed can give you a mental illness. <laughs> is like that's that's how you become a violent sociopath. Yeah, uh, very much. And yeah, and then he would go to work in his office job. So. Oh my god! Worst, worst, <laughs> worst kind of worst kind of person. The worst of both worlds. Yeah, worst kind of person. Not a welfare recipient. <laughs> so, oh my god! So this guy would get up every morning and watch sunrise and just pump this shit into his brain, um, in on, on his like fifty-five inch TV in a small bedroom. <laughs> oh, just get <laughs> a like real image of this. Saddest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> like standard yeah. definition. <laughs> just, just every inch of his vision being taken up by sunrise as he blasts cones before the sun is up. <laughs> This is every Sunrise viewer. Yeah. This is not an outlier. <laughs> Whole audience. Um, so, in, in this segment, uh, Sunrise referred to new figures that show just how many doll bludgers, a quote from them, just how many doll bludgers are trying to take advantage of the welfare system. Uh, they were basing this off figures released by a treasured Minister for Employment, Skills, Small and Family Business... Michaelia Cash. Well, small and family. Yeah, that both. was what I thought when I read it. Huh. I was like, hmm, are we... Of, of course this government would separately recognise businesses that are run by family. Well, because a small business is up to, what is it, $10 million in value or whatever? Or like less than 15 people mm. or something, I don't know. What's yeah. something? To me, that's a small business, but that's to others very it small. may be... Yeah. Yes. Maybe a large <laughs> business. Me, me who's used to doing... Big ball of business down at the bank. Mm. 10 to 15 million dollars a year. That's, That's small business. Small business to me. 20,000 in, 20,000 out every day. <laughs> That's, right. That's right. Every single day. <laughs> um, but these figures don't actually tell us anything practical about doll bludgers. Um, what they do tell us is that 78% of New Start recipients, so New Start being uh, uh, unemployment benefits, um, have had their payments suspended at least once. Now, most people would look at that and think, maybe there's something wrong with the system itself. Mm, it seems mm. like an unlikely thing that everyone's done. Yeah, if the, if the overwhelming majority of people in a system are all doing the wrong thing and all um, violating the, the rules and everything. So payments are suspended when New Start recipients don't meet obligations for receiving New Start, such as searching for jobs or showing up for interviews. On the basis of the figure that 78% have had their payments suspended at some point, Sunrise took away from this that doll bludgers are taking advantage of the system. Goddamn mm. doll bludgers. Had the worst people in the world. The enemy oh. of the good Australian. The enemy of the entrepreneur. Uh, as we as we all strive to be. So there's some pretty obvious problems with this. Uh, as The Guardian's Josh Taylor pointed out uh, on Twitter, it takes about five minutes to find people who can tell you that Centrelink suspends people from payments for the most minor of reasons and very often incorrectly. So we're yep. looking at um, a piece in Junkie here that said that people have described having their payments suspended after travelling to see dying relatives, even after informing employment agencies that this was the reason that they were missing meetings. People have been suspended for running five minutes late to job interviews due to public transport faults, and people have been suspended due to administrative errors that were no fault of their own. 
So our friends over at the uh, Australian Unemployed Workers Union, uh, the the cutest union, the Australian. Asked people to tell us, uh, they said, tell us about a time that your new start payment was unfairly suspended. I think this is the police coming to take one of you away for welfare fraud. Ah, no. (laughs) 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 Anyways, continue. Come out with your hands up, Lucy. Um, So, we had some replies here from people like friend of the show, Mark Tripodi, who said, I watched as a woman burst into tears as she was breached for being five minutes late to her appointment. Uh, she had called ahead to tell them that she was running late, but they said, that's not good enough. And she was traveling on the bus. So and the, the, bus. The, the good thing about this is um, Centrelink has never made anyone wait. Like the oh, universe yeah. has mm, never no, happened never. before. Not like us all here at the, the DMV of employment. No, mm. but, but we deserve this for whatever, you know, moral failings or whatever. Oh, it's because the, 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 the soul is bad. Yeah, that's, that's right. why. We've, all yeah. got, we've got bad soul and it's terminal. We were born in the shade of the light of heaven. Uh, <laughs> and because of that, uh, we deserve to be flagellated for our sins. Government mandated flagellation. Mm-hmm. I'm flagellating right now. Woo. I wish you wouldn't. <laughs> um, also, uh, Xerox Cliche posted on Twitter, got suspended twice, both times I informed employment agencies before traveling to aid my dying father. The second was organizing affairs during and after his death. I got told it would be fine, and then they cut me off twice. The crime and punishment welfare model is a demented, inefficient scam. Uh, Melissa says, I was suspended for not, inten- for not attending an appointment that I had attended. And yep, Tom that replies. That's like the general experience. I've definitely had that exact experience. You went to the thing, and then yes, they're like they suspending you for it. not going to the thing. I also remember one suspension I got um, was they booked me a job appointment in a random country town in Victoria that I had never heard of for no reason. That was like four hours out of Melbourne, and they yeah, cancelled. You got to be willing to payments. travel to where the work is. Mm-hmm, that's right. That's right. Normal that's stuff. What, that's what the prime minister says. You know, yeah, um, sure, it might be four hours away from where you live and you don't own a car. Mm. But hey, that's fine. You've got to have a go. You've got to have, have a go, go to, to get, get a go. go. That's mm. right. That's right. Um, my, f- Tom- my favorite. Oh, sorry. You I was just going to say that Tom has replied to Melissa. I was suspended for missing an appointment. The letter for the appointment came one day after the appointment and there was no other communication received. Mm. My my favorite one and probably the the deepest most like Brazil irony is the ones where they've been um, suspended for not attending an appointment because they were attending a job interview. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which is not infrequent. <laughs> yeah, and and they like the amount of time you hear from people. Yes, I I specifically reached out and told them that this would be the case because that's what you're supposed to do. And they're like, and no, you have to come to the appointment. Or or you have to, or people do it and they go, okay, and then it doesn't get recorded properly and uh-huh. you get suspended anyway. Um, almost as though, almost as though, uh, much like the whole robo-debt thing, that the point is, A, just to punish people for daring to be on this system in the first place. Um, and again, like the robot that thing that rather than say, Hey, we're actually going to administer this system full of human beings trying to actually live their lives, um, with any sense of dignity. Instead, what we'll do is we will automate the entire thing with like 
no room for any margin of error or anything like that and put the obligation back onto people who are having their their um, welfare payments suspended and all that kind of thing. And then they say, oh, well, it's up to you to prove it and we're going to make that really hard for you as well. Great uh, system. Can't see any glaring flaws in it. No fault. So um, Sunrise got slammed for this. Uh, people went, I think we can... We can adequately call it ape shit. Yeah, we can. Yeah, sure. I yes. Yeah, yeah, sorry. Right. I was going to say hogwild, but okay. <laughs> Anybody else got any other animal-based types of of nuts? They're they, going bear heavy. They really lizarded out on this one. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, so this is from MSN. Um, Sunrise's Natalie Barr forced to apologize for saying. Doll bludgers are trying to take advantage of the welfare system on live TV. Sunrise host Natalie Barr has come under fire pew, 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 after she introduced a badly worded segment. Uh, mm-hmm. You, hate, the you hate it when the words have been arranged poorly. Uh, the segment accused doll bludgers of taking advantage of the welfare system. The Channel 7 breakfast program News Reader was forced to issue a public apology. We're sorry. We're sorry. We're sorry. We're sorry. <laughs> so sorry. Oh, I After hated that so much. <laughs> <laughs> After being inundated with backlash from viewers on Wednesday morning over the ongoing New Start debate, Barr was introducing a segment about new government figures showing that almost 80% of recipients have had their payments suspended in the last year when the, quote, mistake occurred. Mm. Hmm. The segment sparked a furious backlash from viewers with thousands of comments on Sunrise's social media accounts, like... You're disgusting. Every review they have conducted shows that overwhelmingly welfare recipients are doing the right things. I'd rather hang out with doll bludgers than anyone who works on Sunrise. They have much more integrity. Another added, you horrible people. My daughter-in-law was suspended when she was very sick in hospital and in and out of consciousness. That she was suspended didn't make her a bludger. It was lifted as soon as she was well enough to arrange a medical certificate. God. The program was also slammed by well-known journalists Juanita Phillips and Samantha Maiden over the segment. Who wrote this? You should be ashamed of yourself, ABC News reader Phillips tweeted. Miss Maiden added, This is rubbish. Centrelink clearly suspending payments for all sorts of ridiculous reasons, punishing vulnerable people for no good reason. Perhaps look into that too. Barr responded to the pair's tweets with public apologies. Isn't it weird that out of the thousands of people who either have been personally affected or know something about this and have all replied to say, this is not the experience that actually happens. Um, that the only people that actually got a response here were the other two people from media organizations. Hmm. Interesting choice. Weird coincidence, I think. Um, we made a mistake today, Juanita. We're sorry for it. I've apologized. It shouldn't have happened, uh, Barr tweeted. Uh, someone replied, don't you even read the script before you read it out on air? That's when you say, this must be a mistake. I'm not reading this. <laughs> so, um, the, the big obvious problem with um, Barr doing an apology and saying, uh, we're very sorry. I'm very sorry. sorry about this, quote unquote, mistake, um, is that it took about five seconds for people to immediately dredge up like the previous 40 segments that they've done from the last couple of years about doll bludgers mm. and the new the new breed of doll bludgers like also, some kind um, of doll bludging super soldiers it's <laughs> worth pointing out, it's worth pointing out that um they didn't actually take the tweet or the story down 
Oh, no, and, it's, still no it's still there. And there was no official Sunrise sort of follow-up on it either. As far as, like, when I last checked, they just left it there because we report and you decide, That's I think. true. Well, people decided, which means the circle has been closed. That's right. You know? It's a perfect system. <laughs> I'm just dusting my hands and walking away. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, the Guardians, uh, Luke Enrique Gomez, went away and looked at the actual numbers that were being quoted by uh, Michaela Cash and, and Sunrise and found that more than 120,000 people who had their payments suspended last financial year were later found by their job agency to have had a valid reason for not meeting their obligations. Wow. According to the data. Isn't, isn't that weird? Job agencies are though. full of hideous vampires. Hmm. They're yep. full of evil people. And this is, this is part of this that, like, I think this and the, the cashless welfare card stuff. The aspect of this that people who claim to care about, you know, government waste and everything don't seem to take into account is how much money gets poured into, into these, these job active providers. That do nothing. And it's, it's supposed to cost something like $10,000 per person wow. to administer the cashless welfare cards. Imagine if you simply gave the person enough money to live so that they could end up getting a job. Wait, did, yep. Sorry, did you mind that back? So you want to... I'm sorry. It was, no, a crazy, it was a crazy theory. I take it you, back. So you have money and the person needs money. Mm. I don't understand what you're doing in the middle there. Well, I would suggest we, we introduce several layers of bureaucracy mm. and mm. conditions. Means testing. I, me, oh, metrics. I love, I love it when someone tests my means. Lines on a graph that go up money. and down. Drone spy network uh, to mm. make sure they don't smile during their mm. day-to-day life because that means they're misspending the money. Uh, mm. What we need to do is we need to harvest a bunch of their turds. Uh, <laughs> as they pass through the pipes, and we need to test them to see if they have, uh, uh, if yeah. they're the good welfare cheat or the bad kind of welfare cheat that does uh, bongs or uh, one of the other ones. I hate it when they're the, doing bongs. When they're doing bongs if, on on our dime. If we can tell from the stool sample that they got anything better than just tasty cheese, uh, they're definitely mm. abusing the system. <laughs> we we what need the them smoking mints at most. <laughs> <laughs> so um the figures suggest that about one in five people who was temporarily cut from income support except that they had a reasonable excuse for missing an appointment or compulsory activity the data showed that of the 744,000 participants on the flagship welfare to work scheme last financial year 581,000 had their payments suspended for failing to meet their mutual obligations after changes introduced in July last year, welfare recipients have their payment automatically suspended when their job agency records them as not meeting a mutual obligation. The providers do not have discretion and must issue a suspension. Providers would previously contact the job seeker and prepare a report for Centrelink, which would impose a suspension or penalty. Under the new system, there has been a 70% increase in the number of suspensions, with job seekers having their payments temporarily cut off 2.3 million times. 2018 to 2019 yeah once again it's pretty hard to take away from uh, these things that there is anything other than just the intention of punishing people uh, for being on the system in the first place and yeah like like with RoboDebt like with so many other things in the world of 
finance, like uh, like debt collectors and all that sort of stuff. Um, so much of it is about just bludgeoning people um, with excessive bureaucracy and saying the onus is on you to prove that this is not actually the case or that this is not your obligation to pay all of this money or to even get this, this measly little pittance that we're offering you. Um, and I think the idea is that hopefully most of the people will just be crushed by it and give up. Uh, because if you get, you know, slammed with a big robo debt thing that is like, Hey, you have to find me pay slips from six years ago, um, at a job that didn't record your hours properly and all that kind of thing. Otherwise you owe us $5,000. Um, and a lot of people just don't have the the time or the resources or the ability to put together that whole thing and would probably just go, I guess I just have to accept that I got to pay you this money. I also don't see how how the takeaway from this for, you know, Sunrise or whoever whoever else that's covering it is not that like we understand that the vast, vast majority of people on welfare are in between jobs are deserving of that welfare and not fraudsters uh, you know that that's all that's all understood and yet you know the out of those figures there something like three quarters of, of the people on it have had their payments suspended which is possibly time that they are literally going without without eating without fuel to get to places without money for the bus uh, all that sort of stuff and and look at that and go hey maybe our reporting requirements are totally fucking onerous and ridiculous and there's something wrong here with what we're making um, this vulnerable section of society do. But no, that's not it at all. What we need uh, is uh, they need to go and get a good high-paying job like the rest of us. I, I got a job from my dad in the media and look how I turned out. <laughs> you worked and you can, for that And job. you can do it too. And there's so many high-paying jobs out there. This is the thing. There's so many. You just have to choose it, you know? You just have to envision it, put it on your vision board, and it'll be yours. Well, as uh, as Ben Shapiro said over the last week, if um, if you have to work two jobs just to make ends meet, that's actually your fault for accepting a job that didn't mm. pay you as much money as you wanted in the first place, forcing you to accept a second job. So, what you should have done is never accepted the first job in the first place. And then, um, whatever happens next. Problem solved. And then, whatever happens next. Then, you you get a billionaire to um, fund your media organization with dark money, and then you're you're rich. You're fine. I'm still hanging out for those co-brother payments. Yes, please. Mm. Daddy likey. Daddy likey. Yeah, there's so many jobs out there where you can make so much money. Like, apparently, all these jobs um, that that lazy Australians are turning their backs on, where they could be making $17,000 a week. And so, you just walk right off the street um, and you yep. say, hey, I would like this job. And they say, fantastic. Here is like $850,000 a year. Y- yes. Um, and if... If we were to believe Alexis Carey from news.com.au. And we are. I mean, I don't <laughs> that, see that any August reason why, institution. We, why we shouldn't. <laughs> why wouldn't we? Yep. Um, so, she has done um, one of our favorite kinds of articles, which is one guy says one thing 
and you somehow spin an entire article about that and project all kinds of insinuations onto like entire industries and segments of the economy. So in this case, um, she says, Aussies are turning their backs on $17,000 a week tradie jobs, boss claims. Now, the, the last little boss claims there is doing a lot of lifting in this story. Doing some very heavy lifting. Also, sorry, um, when I saw this headline, I thought, this, is, this doesn't seem right because I remember this a different way. And it was because when they tweeted it, here's what they, here's what they said. Young Aussies are turning their backs on jobs with salaries of up to $17,000 a week because they're too lazy to put in the hard yards. And Full now, stop. Was that uh, it in sort of single quotes as if it was paraphrasing someone? or was So, I'm not seeing any quote. There, there is an apostrophe, but that's in the word there. Mm. So, that's probably correct. Um, no, no other, no other quotes here. It just says that uh, $17,000 a week. Well, uh, lazy. I have some good no. news for you, Theo. Uh-huh. The first sentence of this article reads... Mm, go on. Young Aussies are turning their backs on jobs with salaries of up to $17,000 a week because they're too lazy to put in the hard yards. That's uh, according to Sydney man Ryan Graham, who has owned a commercial flooring company for around 10 years. Two first name having motherfucker. That's true. He said that young Australians were abandoning lucrative trades altogether while the few who did apply for roles regularly quit soon after starting. That's always a thing in these stories, isn't it? Yeah. It's like, I've hired all these people and they keep quitting. They keep quitting. <laughs> See, now what, what happens is I walk around and everywhere I go, there's assholes. Yes. Mm. Every person <laughs> every I person talk to. Me. Every person I talk to treats me like an idiot. They don't give me what I want. It's very strange. What an odd coincidence. Mm. Uh, the problem has become so widespread, the 42-year-old has sponsored foreigners to fill roles in the past, but he said a government clampdown on the sponsorship of foreigners for his trade has left him in the lurch. Everyone, there's a quote from him here, everyone you see on a job site is Brazilian or English or Irish or Argentinian. They just love working, he said. <laughs> <laughs> oh... The, those people, they love those to work. Those people oh, love to no. work physical labor. Goodness. And of course, um, the, the very similar Brazilians and English and Irish and Argentinian people. <laughs> he goes on, people complain that foreign workers are taking Australian jobs, but we've had 15 guys over the last two years that haven't lasted more than a week. I interviewed one guy for an hour who was there for 10 minutes before he walked off the job. <laughs> Australians don't want the job. They'd rather do something easy. I'm just going to forward a hypothesis here. Mm-hmm. See how mm-hmm. this goes with you guys. Uh, maybe the only people that can stand to be around this motherfucker for more than 10 minutes are the people whose visas depend on it. Mm. Hmm. It's weird how uh. if you sponsored someone's visa that they wouldn't immediately leave your job. That they're like, oh, no, now I'm actually just... Uh, I have to be here or else I have to leave the country. Yeah, uh, just generally speaking, if if you've had 15 people in two years who have refused to work for you for a whole week, it's actually because Australians are lazy. Just to clarify, Andrew, he was offering these people uh, upwards of $800,000 a year in salary. Is that what I'm to understand? I well, feel like that's the impression I've got. Well, well that's, that's certainly what he's saying in the headline. <laughs> Let's dig a little further into these details. 
Um, he said it actually costs Australian businesses more to hire foreign workers, but it is usually worth the investment. Quote, you know they're going to turn up and do the work because they don't have mum and dad to look after them, he said. And I got to tell you guys, um, I do love having my mother and father at my job. Uh, mother powders my Same. bottom. My mum picks me up from work every day, brings me a little lunch. D- Daddy puts me in the high chair in the break room and feeds me my lunch. <laughs> I am burped before all of my big meetings. Uh, he said the massive problem, in scare quotes, which affected all trades in the country. I, I don't know how this flooring guy happens to know that every trade in the country is affected by this. Well, the f- <laughs> well they all hang out together, so, you know. So, so, check this out. The flooring guys have their ear to the ground. Uh, all right. He said the massive problem was so severe he often didn't bother to advertise for vacant roles as he knew there would be little interest from local job seekers. Quote, it's pathetic, really. We grew up and worked hard and we were really excited to get a job as a tradesman. Now, no one wants to work hard. Growing up, I'd be working six or seven days a week for 20 years. Obviously, that's an growing up. (laughs) Growing up. You remember how when you're growing up, uh, it takes twenty years, and you're working seven days a week the whole time. Oh, don't I ever! But now everyone's just uh, a fortnight now, please, and so on. (laughs) The older workers who aren't working as hard would make an average of three to four thousand dollars a week. But if you want to get in there and work hard, younger guys can average seven thousand to eight thousand dollars a week. Jesus. What a load of horse shit. It's hard work, but who wouldn't want to work hard for that? Now, let's all cast our minds back to the headline for a second. Everybody, if you can, please enter your mind palace, sit in a reclining chair, and then pull up a large 3D rendered headline about how much money all these Australians are turning their backs on. He said he knew of one contractor who, on good weeks, made $17,000... Between him and his apprentice, who probably took home around $1,000 of that cash. Mm. Now, well, I mean, I think what he's saying is that anyone off the street can instantly become set up with a flooring business. Mm-hmm. You know, the yep. tools and the skills and everything, and you just have it. Also, I'm trying to, I'm trying to form a holistic picture of this process in my mind. So... They go to um, someone on the you know down the street, and they and this this lady says, "Oh, I'd like my floors done, please. How much will that cost?" Oh, um, about seventeen thousand dollars. And how long will that take? Oh, about a week. Just one week. <laughs> one one week, seventeen thousand dollars. And she says, "Yes, please. Thank you. I would like to continue with this immediately." So um. So, yeah, all of these Australians turning their back on all of these $17,000 a week jobs, uh, which this one guy heard of one person who sometimes, in some circumstances, could make $17,000 a week between him and someone else. It's also weird, isn't it, that um, that he has all of these young guys who, who need to get a start in his industry 
um, and they don't want to stay there for that long, despite the fact that if you run the place, you can make $17,000 and then peel $1,000 of it off and give it on to your apprentice. On a good week. Hmm? On a good week. You know That's what's, the best time. Yeah. There's something interesting about this as well, is that um, it appears that Mr. Graham, Ryan Graham, had exactly the same problem in 2016 when he spoke to the Australian Financial Review. Oh, he did. Oh. He we didn't. can't find Aussies to work here because they don't want to do the labour. They're lazy. We've sponsored three Irish guys, one English guy, and one American guy because when we hired local guys, most people quit after a few days. Wow. That's interesting. It just seems like there's a real common denominator with the problem that you're having, this my dude. He's just got a real asshole problem. He's just having a really tough go of it. Hmm. He says, the problem is young guys see that and want $17,000 straight away. But you've got to work three to five years to be able to make that money, he said. Oh. Hmm. I feel like there's there's a lot of really fluid stuff happening with the money here. Um, sometimes it's the older people who aren't working that hard can make $3,000 to $4,000 a week. If you're working really hard, you can make $7,000 to $8,000 a week. But also, this guy's been doing it, working seven days a week for 20 years. Um, but also, the absolute outlier case of one guy is $17,000 in a week. Like, mm. it's almost as though the amount of money you can make is entirely down to a whole bunch of completely uh, discrete individual factors. Like, say... How much money your piece of shit employer is giving you? But that, they ran out of room in the headline, Andrew. The headline's only so sense. long. You've only got so many words, and you've you you got to sell the sizzle. You've got to you've got to sum it up in a way that's going to fit in the tweet, fit in the headline. That's true. It's not her fault. This week, a new Department of Employment survey revealed 45% of Australians struggled to recruit staff in 2018. Around 60% of employers trying to fill lower-skilled positions, so we're already not talking about what, what this guy's talking about. <laughs> so, we've, we've started... The whole first half of the article has been, hey, all you lazy pieces of shit are refusing to take this big wheelbarrow of money that I'm begging you. I'm begging you to take please this take money. Please take this job. Please take this $17,000. The please. lazy young people are doing a massive bong hit, and then yep. they're saying, no, I hate hard work. And they, they show up on the first day, and the boss, says, the boss says, now the first thing you're going to want to do, and they go, whoa, 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 whoa. Let me stop you right there. <laughs> do. <laughs> uh, see you later. And then they, they <laughs> blast out of the the work site on their wheelie sneakers and then, <laughs> and then they go have British chap $30 avocado toast mm-hmm. that's right that they got from their welfare of course um, so yeah around 60% of employees trying to fill lower skilled positions which is not people who've spent three to five years working in the highest paid trade in the country probably um, reported issues such as a lack of qualified or experienced applicants job seekers who were, quote, not interested in the occupation or work conditions, and those lacking employability and personal presentation skills. I'm wondering if the uh, people they couldn't hire for a lack of qualified or experienced applicants, I wonder if that's the kind of uh, thing where, you know, when you're going past, like, you know, when you're going past, say, uh, a takeaway shop, and they've got to sign up for a sandwich hand, Mm. uh, and they're like, Minimum three years experience to stand in this takeaway shop 
and assemble sandwiches for customers. Mm. Um, yeah, and just, just generally speaking, that thing that a lot of people talk about of you're just trying to get a job and you don't have experience in this particular thing. So they say, no, we won't hire you because we might have to say, tell you how to do the job or give you the slightest bit of training instead also, of milking you for all you're worth. I'm wondering, and you know, this is shame on me for trying to connect the dots here to some sort of larger societal or policy problem, but I'm wondering whether the uh, lack of qualified or experienced applicants, which seems to be number one with a bullet on their list there, has something to do with the dramatic and constant cuts that we make to the TAFE system. Yeah, to um, to hmm. the education system, to when, the TAFE system. Where nobody wants to be a fucking apprentice anymore because it's just horrible and we don't actually fund it anymore um, and we just keep shitting on TAFE repeatedly until the whole thing folds. Well, and one of the things, I mean, even for, for industries like, uh, you know, vinyl and flooring and stuff like this guy was talking about, the the general thing with those, uh, any, any trade industry is a lot of the time you have to go and do an apprenticeship first and that generally lasts for, what, several years? Mm-hmm. Um, and usually you get paid below minimum wage. Is that correct? But the, but the experience, Andrew. But you get the experience. Get the experience. It, but imagine the exposure, you know? Mm, can get mm. paid in exposure. Yeah. So, I mean, for a lot of people, I, I know people who, as adults, have wanted to, like, change careers and go into a trade. But the problem is, if you are an adult, you know, if you've got a family or you're trying to pay rent and shit like that, then it's basically impossible to say, I'm going to commit to working for less, like working a more than full-time job for less than minimum wage for several years before I'm suddenly able to earn a lot more money. Um, Which is why I think, yeah, generally speaking, like you're saying, Thea, I think a lot of the time the kind of intended model for for tradespeople is that you're supposed to like you're supposed to either quit high school or at the end of high school you're supposed to say i'm not interested in higher education i'm going to go and get a trade and you're meant to basically immediately leave school and go and do an apprenticeship while you're still young enough to live with your parents um, and have them be the ones who put you up and feed you while you're working for less than minimum wage on this particular job but they're saying, but they're saying that um, he wants them to not have mum and dad look after them. That's true. So they're supposed to be, I believe, just um, born already in the trade, and then grow up twenty years working six to seven days a week. Yeah. Just a lot of conflicting information. It's almost mm. like in the Australian media, you can just say anything. You can just say whatever yep. you want. You can just say anything. You can you can utter a single sentence to a reporter and they will say, you know what? You make a good 800 words out of that. Hmm. And we can publish like this nationally. Yeah. Yeah. What is uh, the, like, what's the news element of that story? Like, oh, this is some guy's opinion. I have friggin' lots of opinions and no one's ever writing stories about him. Nope. I mean, you are, technically. I'm writing stories about him. <laughs> sure. <laughs> I gotta write them myself. <laughs> yeah. Why isn't some fucking... <laughs> person who is slowly dying on the inside working at news.com.au profiling my thoughts on how lazy young people are it's a mm. this is very reminiscent of one of the last times they did this which was when in an article completely devoid of any context they're like the ceo of muffin break thinks millennials <laughs> are too lazy to work for free 
Yep. <laughs> yep. And uh, and that that was one was great as well because the whole premise of that was like, hey, you've got to be willing to do a whole bunch of like unpaid work and come in several hours before your shift starts to start setting up and all that kind of thing because that's what you got to do to get into the industry. The industry ahead. being <laughs> serving pre-made muffins at mall kiosks to boomers that don't realise there are better options around them. Look, I'm not going to hate on the Muffin Break Muffin. I think they're pretty good. Are you going into bat for the Muffin Break Muffin? Oh, the, it's like the, the muffin, it's the not the man. club of muffins. When was the last man, time you yes. went to a Muffin Break? I had no idea. Just every, every time I get one, I'm like, it's a pretty big muffin. This sounds <laughs> like a thing that's happening often. <laughs> oh, it's not a thing that's happening often, Theo. <laughs> How dare you? Andrew's Every week, daily muffin break. You go down and see your best mate at the muffin break. Uh, he's 19 years old. The only reason he became assistant manager <laughs> because he comes in four hours early every day to prime the muffin machine, and he does it for free. It's every day. He's on his grind. Andrew sits down at his desk. Someone comes around and taps on his cubicle wall and says, Hey, uh, you got that? And Andrew says, Don't even talk to me until I've had my muffin break muffin. <laughs> Till I've had my muffin break muffin and my half liter of diarrhea inducing coffee. Yeah, that's your uh, grande sized chai latte. Uh, <laughs> oh, God, <laughs> God, I hate chai. Ninety oh. percent full fat milk. I'm often, <laughs> I'm often sipping, I'm often sipping something, and I think, you know what, this needs more of clove. Could mm. I get some more cloves in this? Let's put it right in there. Oh. So, Employment Minister Michaelia Cash said, We have an economy of opportunity, oh. and employers are screaming out for workers who are eager for a job. Oh, shut hmm. up. The Morrison government strongly believes that the best form of welfare... What is it, folks? It's a job. It's a job. It's welfare... Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Wrong, idiot. Oh. The best form of medicine, well, that's not getting sick in the first place. That's right. The best form, um, the best form of welfare is um, just easy access to bootstraps by which to haul yourself up. Because, mm. you, know, you know, people want, they don't want help. They don't want a living wage. They don't want to be able to afford their medicine. They want bongs, Andrew. They don't want to pay... They don't want to pay their electricity bill. They want dignity. They want the dignity that comes with a hard day's work at a real job. Now, it would be a shame if we started poking around the edges of how people who are working in jobs are doing in the current economy. Whoops, let's accidentally do that now. And we all know that there's more jobs than job seekers. There's just so many jobs. Thousands of jobs uh, just pouring out a big funnel of cash onto people as they say, no, yuck, I hate money and employment. Um, So this is from Nine News Queensland about a new survey revealing shocking figures. Concerning new figures this morning on household budgets, with a survey revealing hundreds of thousands of families are struggling to make ends meet. Let's go live to Nine. Political reporter Chris O'Keefe in Canberra. Chris, good morning to you. People are feeling the pinch and, of course, low wages growth is being blamed. 
Good morning, Georgie. Well, it's interesting that 40% of people surveyed said that they spend every cent they earn every month. Hmm. One in five said that they'd struggle to come up with $3,500 in an emergency. Now, this is <laughs> a six-month survey conducted by ME Bank, and it shows even though the government has pushed through its tax cuts, people are feeling less and less financially secure. Now, what one stat, surprise. over the past year, just a third of households reported any pay rise at all. Now, this isn't something Scott Morrison will be all that happy about, but what's another alarming figure is that older Australians are struggling to keep their jobs. Unemployment for people aged 65 plus has jumped almost a quarter or more than a quarter in just 12 months. So, Georgie, it also shows that less and less older Australians are retiring too. Hmm. Hmm. That weird. Hmm. Weird coincidence. God, I feel uh, like I'm not used to hearing the Australian accent anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so good to hear it on the news. Harsh. I feel like mm. that one's particularly dire. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, it turns out that even for all the people who are working full-time jobs, their wages are not going up and they haven't for years and everybody's um, just spending every cent of their paycheck, living paycheck to paycheck. And I particularly liked the, the surprise at the absolute shock even most though people, most people couldn't just magically produce three and a half thousand dollars in an emergency if they needed it, and uh, but but they've been pushing through all these tax cuts, Andrew. And why yeah, haven't the tax cuts been where been are the working? Tax cuts? They should. It's weird because I've been I've been outside, I've been out under under the um, blue sky, and I've been licking my finger, holding it up in the air, and just waiting for some of that economy to start trickling down. Nothing. I've been out there with my bucket. Not even a trickle. I've been out there with my bucket waiting to catch a trickle of money coming down. Because if I was to understand correctly, cutting taxes for all those um, top earners was going to mean that they were freed up to just employ way more people and raise everybody's wages. give us money. Um, Much like how when they cut penalty rates for people working on the weekend, that we were all going to see a big injection of money into the economy somehow. Mm. Oh, you know what? Actually, it's it's funny that you say that. Um, going back to Ryan Graham and his uh, article in the AFR in 2016, he was specifically quoted this article because he said that the tax cuts that he was getting from the government in 2016, he was not going to put into employing more people. <laughs> cool. He said, we will probably pocket more money. We really don't want to be spending. We want to grow by another mill or something. And I just like to keep it at that. <laughs> Fucking hell. Like literally. He just he said it. He said it. He just straight up said it. We will probably pocket more money. You just fuck. gonna keep it. Just gonna keep it. Oh great stuff there from Ryan Graham. But um so you may be asking yourself, what is the government planning to do about, you know, maybe prompting some wage growth? Um and the answer is that they are setting up a new dynamite forensic lab to catch welfare cheats. Let's um let's take a quick listen to this video about the government federal government's new digital forensics lab in Brisbane. Also also from from Nine News Queensland. I should point out both of these side by side Nine News Queensland. Yep. So the one that says uh, everybody's even having a really hard time uh, in their normal full paying jobs. Let's have a quick listen here. 
Well, fair fraudsters are on notice with the federal government going high-tech to catch them out. It's launched a new digital forensic lab here in Brisbane as Queensland takes out top spot for the most number of doll cheats. It looks like something out of CSI. <laughs> this digital forensic lab full of high-tech gadgetry and cyber specialists focused on catching welfare cheats. $174 billion worth of welfare and related payments. That's a fair amount of money for organised crime to come after. Uh, so just to know there, that is um, MP Stuart Robert, who is well known for just being fired from the ministry over and over again for a series of hugely embarrassing blunders and two first names again Stuart Robert he was the guy who um he was the guy who when he was defense minister he went to China without telling anyone in the government <laughs> and then took a series of private meetings um with Chinese business officials and then took a whole bunch of Rolexes from them and bought them back without declaring them and handed them out to different senior members of the government. Um, Wonderful. To, to which uh, ASIO said, thank you very much for taking these, <laughs> taking these things we haven't had a chance to look at and putting one on the wrist of like the prime minister and all the other senior members of cabinet. Also, it's probably a bit overlooked in this um, video of full of ridiculous stuff, but the fact that he just puts forward the concept that organized crime somehow have a massive, significant, ongoing welfare scam in progress. He just places that out there with no evidence, and it's not challenged. Uh, it's just sight unseen. There it is. Wonderful. Beautiful. Yeah. And I feel like if there's something that's a very, very common theme with um, any and all conversations about welfare fraud in Australia... It's that no matter how many times we have this conversation, it always comes back to the same thing of, oh, when you drill into it, the actual number of people who ever get, like, caught, prosecuted, like, charged and, and convicted of, con you know, conducting some kind of welfare fraud, some manner of welfare fraud, is so incredibly small. Compared to, say, the number of employers who are committing wage theft... Hmm. Or the number of companies that aren't paying any taxes whatsoever? Anyway, let's go on here. The lab has been specifically set up to gather digital evidence on those using computers, even encrypted phones, to commit fraud against Centrelink, Medicare and child support services. The multi-million dollar lab is only the second of its kind in Australia. The other facility in Canberra has already helped jail criminals like Muhammad Omar, who claimed $370,000 through the National Disability Insurance Scheme for disability services he never provided. If you're saying you actually went to uh, job interviews in location A, B and C, but your devices said you're in Cairns and Port Douglas having a great time at the taxpayer's expense because you defrauded them for some money, you might have some difficult answers to, uh, I should say, difficult questions to answer. But it's not just individuals the government is cracking down on. This high-tech lab will also crunch the large volume of public data generated each day in a bid to detect and catch organised crime gangs. That sort of uh, lab forensic ability is going to be crucial to actually combating organised crime. Is, is there any evidence mm. that there is any kind of... There's weird disparities crime. here about talking about individuals on welfare and then pointing to someone who was um, convicted of 
defrauding, like providing a service that he didn't provide. And we're talking mm, about organized crime. It's almost like this is just the forensic labs that the Australian Federal Police already operate. Mm. But Lucy, this is gonna. This may be um, may make you sound like a bit of a bit of a fool here. Yeah. Um, when they were talking about that, they had the uh, weird. Um, like doot, 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 um, oh, like cyber have, noises going on. It just came on. in on the wire. That's where yeah, they got that information. And, and also, um, we don't have the visuals there for the viewers, but imagine this man, but in like black silhouette, and then that portrait is being placed on like a, um, like maybe a rotating um, blue globe or something like that. Um, or it might even be green, um, like the Matrix. Hmm. So basically, that's why uh, this is good. Well, imagine, if you will, um, say, a man in a balaclava sitting at a computer. <laughs> <laughs> and he's holding a pistol up to the screen. Mm, There's code you, on the screen. It's flying around. Yeah. Are you worried now? Mm. Now, Andrew, I'm a bit of a tech head. A bit, <laughs> yes. of, a, bit of a techie boy. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I, when I watched this, I thought, oh... I can't wait to see the technology they're using. Uh, I just love this stuff as a tech boy. Uh, seeing the technology that they'll be using in this state-of-the-art facility um, for catching cyber cyber thieves, defrauding welfare. Um, and here are some of the ways that they're catching welfare fraudsters. Uh, they're looking at raw hex data in Notepad++ on the screen. Looking for uh, strange placing- numbers, yep. Mm-hmm. Um, they're placing a hard drive in an anti-static bag. Ooh, got him. <laughs> got him, yep. That's uh, evidence. They're pulling, that's evidence. Uh, they're pulling a hard drive out of a server. Did the server belong to uh, a welfare queen, perhaps? <laughs> it's very possible. <laughs> you know, all the, all the welfare frauds, uh, they get home from the TAB. Uh, they've just blown all of their uh, welfare cash from the cashless card on... Uh, Smokes and grog. Smokes and grogs, and then they go home and and they fire up their BSD server, and it's time to <laughs> it's start time to start committing crime. Um, they they're ejecting a compact flash card from a digital camera. This may contain some photos of crime. <laughs> <laughs> photos of my grog and my smokes. Uh, they're yeah. looking at curvy lines on a cyber attack threat map flowing from China to USA. Ah, uh, that notorious hotspot wel- of Australian <laughs> welfare Australian fraud. Welfare uh, they're wiping a hard drive. <laughs> uh, so probably, oh. yep, you need to get get rid of the anti-evidence. This contains not evidence against somebody and we need to wipe it. Uh, they're moving a mouse. Ah, just well, disembodied. Where to? Where to? Just, just on the spot. Um, zoomed in. There's no screen visible. Just... Just little circles. Um, they're passing a hard drive in an anti-static bag from one person to another dramatically. Ooh, I would guess that when they're moving that mouse, they're probably dragging a file from one folder marked unsolved case into another folder that says <laughs> solved case. Um, and finally, uh, they're looking at curvy lines on a cyber attack threat map flowing from Japan to Indonesia. Those oh, hotspots of Australian threats... A lot of, lot of welfare crime going on in, in Indonesia, guys. That's right. And it's somehow related to Australia. Hmm. So, it's good to know. All that crime. You can just say anything. Just say well, whatever you want. Say anything, it's fine. And of course, while, um, while all of this 
um, while all of this effort is going into making sure that we don't accidentally give any money to someone to live with. God, imagine that. Imagine you just gave someone money. Now, luckily, there are organizations looking out for the most vulnerable people in our communities. Now, one of those that you may recognize is The Big Issue. The Big Issue is a magazine um, that uh, people sell on street corners, that kind of thing. So, I think it is generally people who are struggling with homelessness, um, all types of things. But basically, the concept as I feel that we all understood it until very recently is that people are given these magazines and that they then they put on the, the bright yellow high-vis, the big issue um, vest, and they sell them in crowded areas, in cities, that kind sort of thing. Of, sort of as if, if you were like a, an employee working at a, at a news agency or something like that. Yeah, yeah. And that you, you show are, up and you, you sell stock and at the end of the day, they pay you money. They pay you some money. And you probably get um, like, you know, superannuation out of that. Probably get, uh, you know, um, rights and all that sort of stuff. Yep. So, everybody had kind of been looking at this, I think, for a long time as, oh, yes, this is a mutually beneficial arrangement um, that helps people and gives them a source of income. And that is good. Until recently, uh, somebody somebody tweeted uh, on Twitter, the place where you do your tweets. Mm-hmm. One of the best places. Uh, one of one of the top ten places to post tweet. a tweet online. The, the other is BuzzFeed. Yes, <laughs> it's probably number one, really. Uh, so DJ Rob Step has tweeted. The big issue is about one thing, forcing the poor and vulnerable to jump through hoops and humiliate themselves in order to earn even basic necessities. This is earned a reply from whoever has been running the social media at the big issues uh, account, who replies, every vendor who sells the big issue is choosing to work rather than take a handout. So already receiving welfare, bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, vendors purchase magazines with their own money and sell them for a profit, earning their own income, essentially running their own business. Now, this this kind of quickly prompted a response of, wait, what the fuck? Uh, from pretty much everyone who said, what? If, if homeless people want to sell the big issue, they have to save up enough money to... Uh, pre-buy stock from you in order to sell it. Uh, They went on to explain, the big issue is a not-for-profit organization and a social enterprise. Vendors pay $4.50 for a magazine and sell it for $9, earning a profit of $4.50. The $4.50 they spend goes back into producing the magazine and providing support for vendors. And I think a lot of people uh, saw this and said, hey, that does not sit right with me at all. Uh, but this isn't a sign that the big issue of weird neoliberal pyramid scheme, Andrew, it's that you've got to spend money to make money. That's true. Mm. That's business, baby. So true. <laughs> you've got to take the $20,000 out of the bank and you've got mm-hmm. to walk two windows down, slam it down on the counter. You've got to make a deposit and do a business, you say. A little flecks of spittle going into the, the cashier's face. Yep, it's a great economy that we're living in. You gotta love it. You love to see it. 
It's fully functional. Everything's fully working fine. You go spend well. money to make money. You, you buy buy low, sell high. Mm-hmm. Um, that's that's uh, all so my on. knowledge. That's that's so basically all you got to know. So far, <laughs> well, yeah, it's simple. It's simple as ABC to get into the economy and start doing business, start doing big bank. Just you give know? it a go. Just give a go. You will therefore give a get a go. Get give a, a go. get a, get another. Go. If you've got to go, you will find a go, and you get to keep it. Mm. Mm. Uh, have a go. Get a fair go. Give that fair go back, and that is redeemable for one or more goes from the government. Hey, mm. for every two goes you've got in your hand, that's a go <laughs> in the bank. Simple uh, system. You- <laughs> it works. <laughs> Uh, if you if you give one go, you will receive um, two goes of lesser value uh, from the government. So that's cool, mm. folks. That's a that's an hour. That's a whole hour. So it might be time for us to wrap it up. I think. Thank you for being with us, and thank you, Ben, for returning from your mystical journeys around the world. Did you find Bigfoot? Uh, we did not. We bought a lot of Bigfoot-related art. Um, which okay so this is actually genuinely amazing to me the last time I was in America by myself uh, I when I stopped off at some horrible like tourist t-shirt selling shop in beautiful weed California they had these like fridge magnets of Bigfoot that were drawn in a way that made him look absolutely fucking insane and I was like oh I should buy one of those for George that'd be nice and I did and then this time, we stopped at an antique store somewhere in, like, Oregon, and they had a little corner with a bunch of Bigfoot merch, and it was the exact same artist. And I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. Uh, but they also had a little bio sheet about, well, the, the people that make these, and it is a husband and wife team. <laughs> the guy was some sort of production designer or production artist or something on the films the like the live action Flintstones movie uh, Deep Blue Sea and another one and then huh. so he gave that up to become a professional fish taxidermist and then uh-huh. he has become a full time Bigfoot artist uh, and like some of the the shit that they're selling are fucking amazing we got like an air freshener in the shape of Bigfoot. Um, George got a sticker that is like Bigfoot holding the American flag. Uh, and, oh, fuck, it's just saying, like, come and take it or something at the bottom. <laughs> but my absolute favorite of all of these was that there was one where it is essentially the Calvin pissing on something sticker. But instead of Calvin, it's Bigfoot. Uh, And he is pulling down his fur to reveal his ass so that he can piss. Uh, And he's pissing on the words non-believers written in Comic Sans. (laughs) Yes. The single most powerful piece of art I've ever seen in my life. Uh, But yeah, apparently one guy and his wife, I guess, doing, uh, doing the West Coast's most prominent Bigfoot art. Truly wonderful stuff. So, uh, that's it for us this week, folks. If you would like to get an extra bonus episode every week, you can head on over to patreon.com forward slash Punta Vista. If you would like to say, I don't know, buy a shirt, 
you can go to buntavista.com forward slash merchandise. Um, but if you don't want to do any of those things, you can just come back and listen to another episode next week. And we'll see you then. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.